We're through 60 Minutes and Beyond. This is the Flames Talk Post Game Show, now available on Apple and Spotify. Here's Pat Steinberg. Let's get our post game coverage underway. Flames Talk Post Game coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To learn more and for all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. My name is Pat Steinberg, and let's kick off our Flames Talk Post game show after a 4-1 loss in Colorado for the Flames by heading right back to Denver and Ball Arena and checking in with Flames forward Tyler Toffoli post game in this one. Uh, Tyler, how'd you how'd you see this one for your group and uh, how it went out there tonight? Yeah, obviously it was frustrating. Yeah. You know, ready from the start and um, you uh, you can't be chasing the game against and obviously that's what we were doing. Uh and I know the the result, not what you wanted. Tyler, did you like the way that your uh, group kind of pushed back and, and responded to some of the rough stuff and some of the intensity out there tonight? I mean, it was definitely a playoff atmosphere, um, playing against the Stanley Cup champion. So, um, you know, in order for us to expect um, good results, we have to be ready for that. And obviously we, uh, we tried to push, but it obviously just wasn't enough. And a final question for you, as as you enter the final quarter of the season now, Tyler, just uh, can you give us a sense uh, of the desperation and the urgency inside the locker room right now? Yeah, well, we need we need to win, right? So um, we need we need to you know pull together and start doing whatever it takes to win games, um, and just finding ways. Obviously, it's doing all the little things right and um, coming out with better results in uh, night late tonight. Tyler, appreciate the time. Good luck on Tuesday. Hey. Thank you. That's Tyler Toffoli postgame in Denver following a 4-1 loss for the Flames to the Colorado Avalanche. Flames talk postgame is underway. Pat Steinberg with Peter Labardius and Derek Wills. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, and we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Lou, it's not like the Flames uh, were poor tonight. Um, and they did some really good things, but against uh, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and maybe when they're even 85 or 90% healthy, the best team on the planet, when they start to play the way they need to, was not enough on a Saturday night to wrap up a three-game road trip. Well, you heard, you heard Tyler Toffoli talk about chasing the game, and they chased the game all night, yep. unfortunately. and Two uh, nothing less than 10 minutes in. And... It never really felt to me like they were coming back tonight. It just, it didn't. Not that they didn't put forth a decent effort tonight. But I never felt like they were coming back in this game. Yes, there were moments. There was Mangiapane's miss of a backhander on an open net where he was closest to one post and actually rang it off the opposite post. Um you know, I know we're obligated night in and night out, and it's our job to try and break it all down and analyze it. But it's a story that just, you know, really doesn't have a lot of different chapters. It's and, it's 60 games in, and it kind of feels like the the game tonight has been 60 games. And I know it hasn't been, but it feels like that has been the, the overwhelming theme. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. I mean... Um, the one thing this team hasn't dealt with very well is doing some good things and then having one thing and then it snowballs and then you're chasing or you're giving up a lead. It just, it's, it's a team that 
speaks to everything every day for this team, I think feels hard. And I don't I don't discount what people have said because losing a lot when expectations are high is hard and it's not as fun and it can separate people and it does have a lot of people asking a bunch of questions. That's that's the reality of a group that I'm not sure Pat has ever found its way in terms of togetherness this season. Another night of ifs and buts for me. And uh, as a wise man once said, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, but they're not. I mean, what happens if the Flames score on one of those first three or four shifts where they were the dominant team? Uh, what happens if Jacob Markstrom, and the only thing worse than giving up a goal on the first shot is giving up two goals in the first two shots. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens if Andrew Mangiapane doesn't backhand the puck wide of a literally a wide open net with a chance to make it 2-1? Just so many turning, or at least potential turning points in this game, and none of them went the Flames' way. And... Man, it has just been an absolute struggle for them to score goals, uh, to get saves, and that's a bad combination, guys. Uh, you can maybe live without one or the other, but not without both. Yep. And uh, they had a chance to come back to Calgary with five of a possible six points, and they would have been feeling great about themselves uh, had the road trip gone that way, but now it's three out of six. And... Uh, just kind of spinning their tires like they've been doing all season. Uh, one more save, one more goal. Yep. It's kind of been the theme of this season through 60 for the Calgary Flames. And, and let's jump right in on our save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. To no one's surprise, after the way Thursday went in Las Vegas, the Flames go to Jacob Markstrom in tonight's game against the Avalanche. Save of the game from Jacob came in period number two. Avalanche with a neutral zone face off. Byram. Slides it up the left wing side. Rantanen will flip the puck into the flame zone. Here's Comper, centering. And now Byram's denied by Markstrom, who makes his biggest save of the game. That ends up being one of the 18 stops made by Jacob Markstrom tonight. And that's his save of the game, brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit shaneholmes.com, the better way to build. And, and Derek, I... I I fully understood why they went to Markstrom. Listening to Daryl Sutter on Saturday morning after their morning skate, and he said, hey, one of these goalies has got to take it, is essentially what he said. Wasn't Jacob tonight? And, and you know, the, the one of the big things that I have been seeing on our text line and on social media, whenever you put out the, the lineup news for each and every game and, and the starting goaltender, there's been a lot of, here we go again, Flames will be down early. But we're 60 games into the season. I That continues to be a theme. And tonight, as you mentioned, first shot let in for the seventh time by Markstrom to tie the, the league lead in, in that dubious category. He also lets in the second shot. And I'm not saying that it's just on him. Very rarely is a goal against just on a goaltender. But that theme when he's been in has been prevalent through three quarters of this season so far. There, there have been far too many nights when the Flames have been chasing with, with Jacob and Nett, and that was the case once again tonight. I don't, I don't even know what the answer is at this point well, or, or how to explain it. There isn't any way to explain it, and there is no answer, at least no right answer. Uh, I mean, 
I'm not sure it matters which goaltender they go to at this point. It's either early goals or bad goals. They need one of these guys or both of these guys to step up and be average. Average, I think, is good enough for these guys to get into the playoffs. Now, if they were to get there, they would need certainly above-average goaltending. Uh, they're probably going to be the eight seed if they do get in. But, yeah, I feel for Jacob because uh, what he probably needs more than anything is, uh, A, some run support. Hasn't had a lot of that this season. But, B, to just get through the first five or ten minutes without giving up a goal just so he could settle into a hockey game. Uh, the weird thing is, I thought after he gave up two goals in the first two shots, he played a good game from that point on. I didn't love the first goal. Uh, I'm going to have to take a look at the second, third, and fourth goals again, but the fourth one didn't really matter much. 4-12 uh, into the third period to make it 4-1, although that did kind of put the game out of reach for the Flames. But, yeah, it's just been one of those seasons where this wasn't a one-goal game, but the Flames have played in more one-goal games and have lost more one-goal games than any team in the league. So on a lot of nights, it has been a save at one end or a... Uh, a missed opportunity that did not result in a goal at the other end. And against the Avalanche, you don't have to play a perfect game, but you've got to play a, a really good game. And uh, the Flames did fight tonight, literally and figuratively, but uh, not enough guys had their A game tonight. And uh, against a team as good as the Avalanche, uh, I, I would say the vast majority of your players are probably going to have to have their A game to give you a chance to win and, and that certainly starts between the pipes. Yeah, they weren't bad. But I can honestly tell you, I don't know who I'm going to pick is my Flames' hardest-working flame. Because it's a night where nobody really jumped off the page for me. I liked Michael Backlund. Well, I, I liked him. He was fine. He was involved. You know, Mangiapane was around it a little bit. I thought early in the game the Kadri line was fine and making some things happen. But it's a search night. Yeah. It's it's and it's and it's searching for one or two. It's it's not a night when things are good where you could almost go up and down the lineup and go, Well, it could be this guy for this reason or this guy for this reason. Well, Tonight's not one of those nights, well, not for me. I'll give you a little time to think on that following a 4-1 Oh, well, I've already thought about it. Well, then let's do it. Uh, Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Where are you going, Luke? Um, I'm going to give honorable mention to Milan Lucic because I thought at least getting in that fight and the Flames did score a power play goal shortly thereafter. But I, I do. I think, I think Michael Backlund probably was as effective and he played pretty hard nose tonight and he was in the thick of it so I, on a difficult night I agree with Derek I'm gonna go in that direction Michael Backlund is your player with heart this evening brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office visit heartfit.ca and I just want to go back to the goaltending for a second so the Flames have played coming out of the All-Star break one two three four five six seven eight nine so this is their 10th game coming out of the All-Star break and the Flames thanks to our friends at Sportsnet Stats have an eight 47 team save percentage since the All-Star break, Ooh. which is 32 of 32 in the NHL. And, and it's just, I get why there's not one guy who's rolling right now, Lou, because... Because there isn't. You, 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 you don't really, you gotta, 
you got to keep on going, hoping a prayer that one of the guys has a really good night, and then that good night can be built on. That's that's where the Flames are right now, and I can guarantee that you never thought that was going to happen. Like you, that never would have entered your mind coming into the season because no. I know it it, no, it, it it was never a consideration for me entering this no, season. No, and, you know, when I heard you talk earlier today about, you know, save percentage being 23 points below where it was a year ago that's a that's a big dip yep it, it is a big dip and i think there's lots of different factors one of the factors is you don't have a lot of room for error just the way the season has gone and a lot of the games have gone the all the one goal games and the unfortunate part is after being what I would call an excellent backup all season long, talking about Daniel Vidar, he hasn't been the same since, for me, things changed where he has been given a few opportunities to go, this could be yours if you want it, and he hasn't taken it. I don't even know where they go from here, guys. I don't don't know what the right approach is, is the right approach to say, okay, you know what? Jacob Markstrom is our number one goaltender. We're paying him to be an elite goaltender in this league. We know that he can be. We have seen it for seasons. We're just going to hitch our wagon to him and see if he can figure it out. Or do you keep bouncing back and forth between him and Dan Vladar and just crossing your fingers and hoping for the best? I don't know what the right approach is moving forward, guys. I'm at a little bit of a loss tonight. Normally, and, and we joke about it kind of after we sign off, normally we have some of our best post-game shows after a, a tough loss like this, but it's just the same old thing. Night in, night out, and I'm kind of running out of things to say because it's like trying to describe the same thing a thousand different ways. Any uh, any reaction just quickly on the Kevin Weeks, ESPN's Kevin Weeks uh, tied Calgary to Cam Talbot earlier on this Saturday? Does that... Uh did that strike you any way, either of you? I, I was not surprised. To, I, I, I wasn't surprised to see teams like L.A. and Vegas involved. Vegas without Logan Thompson for the time being. And obviously L.A., who has had a really rough year in net as well. Phoenix Copley is, has helped stabilize them. But that feels still like a short-term thing for them. I can, I can see why those teams. I just was not expecting Calgary's name to be involved uh, from, from one of the more prominent NHL insiders. Well, here's... Here's the only thing that I could add is it's a pretty desperate situation right now in that position. And and I just don't see Dustin Wolf, and I don't really see any need to throw him to the fire. Um, That'd be a bad idea. I think that would be an awful idea myself, and I still... I second that. Third that. Oh, thank you. Um, And as much as... I like him, and I've been incredibly impressed with him. I still don't know what it's going to look like when he faces NHL shooters, and that's mostly just because of the fact that he's mm-hmm. 5'11", and, you know, it's tough. And it's tough against the shooters that you face at the highest level in the sport. So, I don't know, unless unless there is some thought that, you might be willing to part with one of your other two guys. I, I just like 
where do you go with it? Yep. I'm not saying it's not a possibility. Um, well, you said it, Lou. Desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And if the Flames believe that goaltending is what is holding this team back, he's a player they know. He's a player they like. What's he making, Pat? You know, off the top of your head, he signed that. Is he uh, making four? Uh, he signed that three-year deal coming out of. Uh, so he played the he played his final season with Calgary in the bubble. Uh, signed a deal, a three-year deal in Minnesota, then got flipped to Ottawa, and his deal is three point six six is what he counts on hmm. the cap. So, uh, yeah, now he's been hurt for a good chunk of the he season. He has been. He signed a three times eleven with Minnesota after his one season with. Calgary. He came to an end. He kind of uh, revitalized his NHL career with the Flames in a really good year. Signed a three-year deal with Minnesota. And then after one year, or yeah, I guess it was after one year in Minnesota, got uh, traded to Ottawa. Two years in Minnesota, got traded to Ottawa. And it has not been a great season for him, to your point, Derek, due to uh, due to injury for the most and part. And Vladar's on a one-way deal right now, correct? Correct, yes. So it's not like you could even be in a situation where... And you wouldn't want to risk losing him on waivers. Correct as well. Yeah. I mean, you. there are teams in the league who are carrying three goaltenders on the roster, but that would be the Flames' move. Unless they could get half the salary eaten, and then they could potentially still have some room to, to make another move between now and, and the trade deadline. Guys, I can't even believe we're having this conversation. But I, I don't think it's crazy either it's not bla- I, I, it's not blasphemy at this point. no but if you would have told me even a month ago or certainly prior to the start of the season that uh, both Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar were healthy and that we were talking about acquiring another goaltender before the trade deadline I would have looked at you like you had three heads yeah no one saw this coming so I'm not sure any of us saw a lot of what's happened also coming this season certainly I know I haven't and there are just some seasons guys where we can spin it and we can talk about trades and we can talk about ads and we can talk about new goalies I I'm gonna I'm gonna shut it down right there because I know what the talk would be in this marketplace right now in other scenarios over the years. Um let's hear from Jacob Markstrom right now. Uh by the way, phone lines open, 403-240-4444, text line 96960. Flames fall four one in Colorado to wrap up a three game road trip. Here's uh Jacob Markstrom who allowed four on twenty two, including two on the first two tonight in Denver. Jacob, your thoughts on tonight's game? Yeah, not good. Obviously uh, two nothing right away and after that it's uh you know uphill and we you know Never climb back. Yeah, you know, obviously in the third, I thought we really got the momentum, and uh, you know, with the Luch or in the second, at the end of second, with the Luch fight, that was. I mean, he steps up, and and after that, you uh, you really want to, you know, get going. I thought we had some momentum, and and then, you know, obviously to get the the fourth goal with you know five minutes into the. It's not the first. Sorry, it's not the first time we've seen you play, and you allow the first shot to go in past you. How do you explain some of these slow starts that you've been having this year? Uh, I mean, I'm. It's it's easy to look at 
you know, first shot and second shot and third shot and all that. Obviously, it's frustrating. You wanna, you know, you wanna get a you know shot from the outside. There's no warm-up shots in games, and it's uh, you know it's up to me to to be ready when uh, you know there's a scoring opportunity. I need to come up with some saves to to keep the guys in the game. Did you see the second shot? No, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I gotta rewatch it again, and you know, I don't know what's happened. If uh, you know, a lot of a lot of bodies moving, and you know, right when he shot it, I you know lost it, and then you know it's in the back of the net. What do you do after a game like this to keep your confidence level up? Work, practice. There you go, Jacob Markstrom, post game in Denver. Uh, the Athletics, uh, Julian McKenzie, asking him about the first shot on goal and uh, why that has been an issue this year, and and I. Honestly, I don't think I don't think Jacob. If knows. he knew, he would have changed it. I don't think Jason LaBarbera knows. Good question, knows. though. Yeah, it's a yeah. good question, fair question, uh, and I don't know how. I don't, I don't even know how you answer it. If we know he him, prepares. It's yeah. not like he's, uh, you know, knitting or something uh, when he should be practicing or or working on his game. The guy puts in the work. It's just it's been one of those seasons. I mean, the bottom line, guys, is the, the Flames need their goaltenders plural to make more saves. But with that said. You think you're going to beat the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche scoring one goal? Nope. No, and that's why I think it's fair to keep on saying it's not just one more save. One more save has been a big part of this season, but so is one more goal. And it's been it's been at both ends. They're 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 missing it on both sides. And and you just think and I I am I may be bordering on as sick of comparing this year to last year as you are, <laughs> but when you when you go back to last year they were one of the highest scoring teams in the NHL and they were one of the best goaltending teams in the NHL. The swing on both ends of the ice from one year to the next, it's it's almost insurmountable when you think about it. And when you think about the the save percentage, team save percentage swing, when you think about the goals per game swing, you combine those two things yeah, you're going to have a season like the Flames are having right now. And I think that there are underlying reasons as to why that's happened, but just on the surface, that's a pretty good way to explain how this year has or, or is very close to going completely off the rails. Well, this season reminds me a lot and feels a lot of how the 56-game season felt, where, again, there were some pretty decent expectations um, coming out of – what occurred, you won a play-in type series against Winnipeg, and with a couple of different things happening here or there, you know, you might have found a way to beat Dallas. But that didn't happen, and then a coach got fired, and Daryl came in, and, you know, there was a lot of games in the back half of the year that they couldn't find one that season either. Yep. Like, that that's where I go in terms of comparison because it isn't anything like last year. And there weren't the expectations that there were on this group coming into this year, even without Gaudreau and Kachuk. I think it's a good comparison. The only thing I would say is that on paper, I think this team's a lot better than that team was. I think this team on paper is better than last year's team. I agree with you. So then... That begs the question, what is the issue? Why are so many good players having bad years? A perfect example, Andrew Majapani, when the game's 2-0, we're talking about a guy who scored 35 goals last season and got paid as a result. He doesn't miss a wide-open net like that last season. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it just keeps happening I, over and over again. I said this with Pat, and I'm I'm not going to get into a long explanation about it again. But just think of anything that happens in your world that you're really unhappy with, that you don't like. How do you change it? Do you do different, or do you kind of do the same? And do you ask yourself individually if it's enough about you? And then when you get to that conclusion, then you can fix it. But if you're upset about the same thing, I don't care what it is, and you attack it the same way, you don't change your preparation, you don't prepare differently, you don't try something different, you're not going to fix it. Sorry, I don't care what it is. If you're on a diet and you keep trying the same thing in order to reach a different goal, even if it's worked for you in the past, at some point you got to do different. And that is a collective issue for this group. And I do not think most of this year those guys have enjoyed going to work very much at all. And when people don't enjoy going to work, they can't be at their best. Yep. Well, and the other thing, too, is, and I heard you guys talking about it on the pregame show, and we've talked about it before. When you believe good things are going to happen, more often than not, they do. But how is this team supposed to believe that good things are going to happen? Because bad things keep happening. Even when they play a good game, something bad tends to happen. I think that they believe... They believe that a bad thing is going to happen. Well, they that's, do. And that's what they believe. The, in the other night in Las Vegas is a perfect example. They're up 3-1 with less than 15 minutes to play in the third period. And we even heard players talking about it post-game. They played not to lose instead of playing to win. There's a big difference between those two things, right? It's like playing on your heels instead of playing on your toes. Brings me back to a conversation that we had with Ryan Huska prior to the start of last season about how he wanted the team to defend. So I don't want them to defend. I want them to check. Well, what's the difference? When you're checking, you're playing on your toes. When you're defending, you're playing on your heels. That's stuck with me for, for two seasons now. Like, I don't think there's a lot of belief or confidence or swagger. They, they just, and, and I think part of that is because they haven't been able to build any momentum. Another intangible, right? With no long winning streaks this season. What That's, is it, two months now since they've won... Two More games two in, in a row, row yeah. or even two games in a row. How are you going to build any momentum? Yeah, yeah you just don't. Well, you they're don't. Gonna have to. They're going to have to move them forward. The good news, guys, is I said prior to this four-game stretch that if they could get four points, they'd put themselves in a decent spot. So the four games before the deadline, they've played two, uh, and they've got two to go against two of the top teams in the league. So if they can get two points out of those games against the Bruins and the Maple Leafs, they'll be probably in a pretty decent spot coming out of the trade deadline, and then they can try to make a run down the stretch. But, man, oh, man, they, they left a point on the table on Thursday night. Um, didn't really feel like a point was on the table at any point in time tonight, so that's disappointing. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm starting to run out of words, which is well, well, not, there, there not aren't, usual for me. Well, there aren't any. Yeah. That That's... The bottom line is, there aren't any. Yeah. And there is no magic. There's not magic to fix hard things. There's only doing different and convincing yourself that whatever you don't like about what you're doing, 
you have to take some ownership. Myself down to uh, math is not good for the Flames with 22 games remaining. Uh, I know that much after uh, no points in this one this evening. By the way, our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. We were looking at the power play, which finished one for five. Did give them a goal that gave them a little bit of a boost, and uh, they weren't able to build on that Tyler Toffoli goal, but that was our marquee matchup. 4 1 final score. Flames fall in Denver to the Avalanche. Third and final meeting against Colorado this year. Uh, Avs take two of three against the Flames in the season series. Full lines 403 240 4444. Text line 96960. Your phone calls and texts very shortly. Right now, head coach Daryl Sutter just wrapped up at Ball Arena in Denver. Let's hear from the head coach following a 4 1 loss. You know, obviously, they had really good first period against us, but I think the uh, you know, we have a chance to make it 2 1 right away, and I think it was managed. Misses empty net, and then uh, we win a face-off and don't get it out, and we have to take slashing penalty, and and uh, that their power play makes three one or th three nothing. That makes it tough then. <clears throat> Did you think you had a good start, like the first couple? Well, of so you always have a good start. Playing Stanley Cup champion, right? It's Nathan McKinnon. So, what did you think of Jacob Markstrom's play? Pardon? What did you think of Jacob Markstrom? You know, I think they scored on the opportunities that, they, that were probably classed as great areas. Our defense got beat one on one a lot for goals against, including not getting pucks out, killing penalties. This to be is more on your defense than your goaltender? No, you not on anybody. You, you play a Stanley Cup champion, you can't have one or two guys off. So I wouldn't blame it on an individual. The second goal, there, was there any goal that you thought was soft? You said the last game there was one goal that you didn't like. I think the one from the red or from the blue line is a flash play, right? So I'm not even sure you've seen it. That was the second one. Was it disappointing that the Lucic fight didn't serve as a real galvanizing point to come back? We did. We scored after that. So, Do you think the uh, the score was like indicative of the game? Yeah, we had a lot of good chances, so. Could have been closer, that's for sure. There you go, head coach Daryl Sutter, post game in Denver, 4-1, your final score against the Avalanche. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Uh, get some final thoughts as the Flames return home Tuesday to take on the uh, Boston Bruins, who uh, just happen to have 45 wins so far this season. The uh, President's Trophy front runners into the Dome for the only time this season on Tuesday before the Toronto Maple Leafs are through on Thursday and then off to the trade deadline the following day. Uh, it's Steinberg, Lou, and Derek, and uh, some final uh, thoughts from our broadcast duo, starting with Mr. Wills. Well, obviously, it's uh, far from ideal when your goaltender gives up two goals in the first two shots, uh, especially when you're playing against a team as hot. The Avalanche uh, now have five-game winning and seven-game point streaks, and as good as the defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, Putting yourself behind the eight ball like that is uh, a, a tough position to be in. But with that said, as Daryl Sutter just said in his post-game comments, it's not like they didn't have chances to get back in the game after that. So, yeah, tough start for the goaltenders. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, Jacob Markstrom, to his credit, and it had to be difficult for him, did kind of settle in after giving up those two goals, and he made some big saves to keep the Flames close or close-ish in this hockey game, but 
you know, too many missed opportunities at the other end when the Flames did have a chance to, to legitimately get back into this hockey game. Uh, I thought it was a, a tough night for some of the defensemen. At the top of the list would be a guy who used to play for the Avalanche and now plays for the Flames. And it's back to the drawing board. I honestly have no idea who's going to get the start and goal on Tuesday when the Bruins come to town. Maybe it's Dan Vladar, and maybe the rationale is former team. give him a game against his former team, right? Maybe that's the motivation he needs to, to give the Flames an A game and give them a chance to, to beat the best team in the league, a Bruins squad that's running away with the President's Trophy. Ultimately, what I said going into the final four games before the trade deadline, it's still on the table in a big way for the Flames. I said, if you can get four points out of these four games and play 500 hockey, uh, then you're probably going to be in a pretty good position. When you looked at who they were playing, Pacific Division and Western Conference leading Golden Knights. You get a point out of that game. Defending Stanley Cup champion, Avalanche. Don't get any points out of that game. So now you need to get uh, three points out of the next two games, some way, shape, or form. Uh, but it's going to be tough against the Bruins and then the Maple Leafs. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're going to need everybody pulling in the same direction on Tuesday night. There's no doubt about that. And... Uh, Hopefully from the goaltender out, uh, they get an A game and give themselves a chance against the Bruins. Uh, if they could somehow pull off an upset against a, a, a team like that, then that could be. And it hasn't happened yet, but uh, it could be a springboard uh, to bigger and better things. So uh, the next uh, handful of days is going to be interesting, guys, as we uh, wait to see how Brad Treleving, who looked incredibly frustrated watching that game tonight, to see how he handles the upcoming trade deadline. Uh, he has said plenty of times in the past that he takes his cues from the team. This feels a little different than past seasons. But uh, obviously the cues that uh, he got in the last couple of games weren't great. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add as usual in my final thoughts. I just think that, you know, you've got 22 games left. You're not out of it. With every passing loss, the uphill battle continues, not only, you know, amongst the group but in the standings themselves you want less teams to chase not more guys i don't know where it's going to come from i don't know who's going to step up in that room but i really believe despite all of it and the no fun and things that have been said you have to collectively come together as a group of 23 guys and you have to decide that you want to play past April the 12th and that maybe you are prepared to get out of your comfort zone and do it different. Whether it's more block shots, whether something in your game, whether it's working harder without it. Because Patterns in life continue because you do it the same way and expect different results. They have to decide. The leadership of your group. Forget about anything. Even if you're mad at coaches, whatever the heck it is, you got to decide. Because you're the only ones that can fix it. I can't fix it. You guys can't fix it. The fans can't fix it. And I don't think trades fix it. It fixes this either. I don't. You have to come together. They haven't done it. That, for me, is the bottom line. And my math was bad. 
They've got three points in the last three games, so they need one or more against the Bruins on Tuesday, and then that gives them the the four or more they needed going into the trade deadline because, of course, the Maple Leafs game is after the trade deadline on uh is no, it? Maple no? Leafs game's on Thursday. It's Thursday. on Thursday. Oh, the yeah. trade deadline's Friday. Two more games until okay. the deadline. Yep. Yep. My math was good then. Your uh, math was perfect. Bye, boys. Okay, bye. good night, Pat. And I would never chirp anybody about doing math because you're still better than me. Uh, this is your Flames Talk post-game show with your texts and phone calls in just moments. Call now, 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. Flames lose 4-1 in Denver to the Avalanche. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To learn more and for all things basement tea, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Phone calls, texts, next Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. We'd love it if you went and hit subscribe. This is Alpine Credits Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Continue breaking down the game, plus take your calls and texts. This is the Flames Talk Post Game Show on Sportsnet 960, the fan or on demand wherever you get your podcasts. The frustrating path road that has been the 2022 23 season continued this evening in Denver. Flames lose 4 1 to the Avalanche as we are underway on our Flames Talk post game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open and jammed at 403 240 4444. Text line is open at 960 960. Keep trying on the phone lines. Um, best uh, best bet if you're listening live is uh, as soon as somebody, as soon as I say goodbye to somebody, start dialing. Or maybe as soon as it sounds like we're about to wrap up, start dialing. If you want to jump in on the text line, just uh, pound them through at 960-960. There is a ton on the text line. I'll try to get to as much as I can. Um... This says from Brent Ian at Northwest Calgary, put a fork in him. It's over. Tree Living will be looking for work, as will Sutter when the new GM is hired. Lucic, Lewis, and Richie won't be taking up valuable space on the bench. There are other bench warmers who should be gone, like Coleman. I don't know if I agree on Coleman, who's been one of their better players this year, uh, but uh, I don't know what type of change we're going to see this offseason. I think we're going to see some, though. Uh, this from Claude, who says, Pat, another game they were chasing and it never really felt like we're threatening. The Avs are a great ta- team. How do we say, stay positive as Flames fans? After Lucic's KO, does this improve his stock to trade him despite his limited no trade? You were right when you called this a transition season, and it's come with much pain. Uh, I don't know what that market would look like for Milan Lucic. Completely out of the question they could move him? No. Um, but I do think it would be, you know, the, the the Flames would have to eat a significant amount of that salary. And, I mean, if they could get an asset, it would be, a, you know, a, a back half of the draft pick. If they could, 
I think sure there'd be reason to. Um, I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know what that market looks like. I, I really don't. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? This says Flames must sell their assets of value for futures. Ergo, Toffoli, Tanev, Hannafin, Coleman. This team's going nowhere fast, getting that we've been here before feeling. Another year of Flames hockey, another the middle of NHL nowhere. Time to get real and face the music. I do think there's something to listening if you're Brad True Living on certain guys. If somebody comes with a really good offer for a Nikita Zadorov or somebody comes for a with a really good offer for a Milan Lucic or there's something on the table for a Trevor Lewis or a, even a Tyler Toffoli although Toffoli would be the last guy I would think about if, if, but if it's something that you can't refuse or that perks up your eyebrows I think at the very least you gotta listen at this point uh, I think there should be next to nothing off the table for the Flames. Now, harder to make some of the difficult decisions and difficult moves that they might need to make before the deadline, but I also think you have to be, your ears have got to be a little more open than maybe they would have been or we thought they were going to be going into this trade deadline and prior to the season. Uh, this says, Pat, the Flames were given a gift last offseason to rebuild. Had a chance to get Natchez from Carolina, a 24-year-old who's almost a point per game. Instead, they get the package from Florida, which I can live with, but what I can't live with is handing out huge contracts before they even step on the ice. Ame imagine having the ability to trade Huberdeau and Uyghur now and recoup some assets. If this direction came from ownership, well, it's embarrassing and getting hard to support this team. Watch him make no deals and lose Lindholm and Toffoli for nothing after next year just brutal wow if you don't if you don't think that signing Huberdo wasn't pushed by ownership I, I think that you're probably you're I guess what I would say to you is yeah I think signing that guy to an 84 million dollar deal there was a significant amount of pressure after the way the offseason went to get the key piece of the blockbuster trade signed long-term. I, I don't think that's inaccurate at all. Uh, this reads, oh boy, the Avs are going to the finals if they get healthy. Let me say this. Markstrom needs to go see a witch doctor or something. I feel so bad for the guy after his amazing regular season last year. It's hard to have steam with the goaltending letting in two goals on the first two shots. If it was one time, okay, but this is a habit. I feel bad for all of them. This season's a write-off. Time to focus on next season. What are we going to do with Markey for next season? I know he has a non, no trade, but maybe after this nightmare, he might want a fresh start. I'd love to think that, that he'll shake this and be in old form for next season, but it's a hard hope to hold on to. Have a good night, Pat. Thank you. You as well. Uh, this says, Lucic set the table for a comeback. McKinnon's maybe the biggest crybaby in the league, but you could see how the Avs didn't want to play a physical game, and that's how the Flames need to play to win. Uh, Dylan and Revelstoke says, Patty, I'd usually have a giant paragraph typed up about how absolutely horrid this team is, but I feel super bad for you tonight, so I digress. Good luck, buddy. Thank you, Dylan. Tickle fights later. Um, this from Chris. I'm tired of hearing about the exact same thing every time these guys are losing. What if things would have gone their way? And thinking that not turning to Dustin Wolf at this point just seems absolutely asinine in my opinion. It won't hurt Wolf's development at this point to give it a shot. What do you have to lose at this point? Look at the narrative. Chris, what do you have to lose? You have to lose Dustin Wolf. You bring him into this situation? 
I could not disagree more with that. And Chris, I, I think that you a very well-reasoned argument. I don't think it's a bad argument that you made. I just disagree with it completely. You would be bringing, A, you'd be bringing a 21, not even 22-year-old goaltender, a 21-year-old goaltender who is, is undersized. Let's be perfectly honest, but let's pretend he's not undersized. You're bringing a 21-year-old goaltender into a league that eats alive young goaltenders. In the last decade, the NHL has, NHL shooters have chewed up and spit out goalies in their early 20s more so than not. Way more so than not. Look at the troubles that Carter Hart is still having because he was brought in too early. And and Carter Hart is just one of many examples over the last decade. So I am against it for that reason. And then on top of that, this team is a disaster. You want to bring that guy into this disaster and be like, yo, you're the guy that we're now turning our hopes to? Have fun. Pressure's on you, kid who's never played in the NHL. I am so against Bringing Dustin Wolf into this disaster, into this mess, I am keeping him in a good spot with the Wranglers, who are a good winning hockey team, and I am letting him continue to develop, to develop properly in a positive environment as opposed to the negativity that is. And don't tell me about Jordan Binnington. Jordan Binnington was in his mid-20s, like 26, when he got that opportunity to run with the Blues in 2019. They're, they're, they're apples. It's, it's, it's comparing apples and grenades, not apples and oranges. We're talking about apples and inanimate objects. I am so against, and that's just my opinion. I'm not saying I'm just very passionate about the opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong if you think they, they should go to Dustin Wolf. I'm just very passionately of the opinion that they should not ruin who could be their number one prospect. Honestly, I really, really don't think they should. Um, what else we got here at 960-960? Because Markstrom gets off to such a bad start every game, they need to start Vladar every game for the first only. When the second period comes, stick Markstrom in for the rest because he seems to play well from the second period on. I don't think that's the way it's going to go. Um... And one more on the text line. This says, unfortunately, the Flames season's almost done. I keep waiting for an indicator the Flames will make the playoffs, but it's just not happening. There's an apathy with this team, a different energy when Markstrom starts. I've watched a lot of hockey in my life, and I've never seen a goaltender let in so many first shots. I think it's seven now this season. The team just sinks when those go in. They don't have the firepower nor the will to claw back constantly, and the other goalie always outplays Markstrom. Then there's Huberdeau. I feel bad for the guy, but also disappointed. His body language suggests he's given up on Sutter's system. He still looks lost. He was absolutely invisible tonight, constantly giving away the puck. Not a difference maker at all at $10 million a season. A brutal signing. At least they won the fight. Thanks, Maman. At least they won that one. Lots more on the text line at 969.60. Would love to hear from you on the text line. You want to get into the Dustin Wolf conversation? Sure, all day. Look, I know that I'm very passionately in my stance. Doesn't mean I'm not willing to have the conversation. I think it makes for a good conversation. I just don't think it's the way the Flames need to go. That's your text line at 960-960. The phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Following a Flames 4-1 loss in Colorado, this is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's head to the phone lines for the first time and say hello to Tim. What's going on, Tim? Hey, how's it going? I am fine, man. How are you? <laughs> oh, you know, great, great. Uh, yeah, nice, nice game. Um, I I just like to see uh maybe if they just just I know Lerar gave like gave away goals in the other game, but 
at least he's given us a chance at least at points. Like, I just feel like maybe it's not Markstrom's fault, but those two two goals on two shots is rough. So It is. Uh, like, and, and yet Vladar was... Vladar was not markedly better in his last game. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is about the team. Like it's weird. Like they they started this game and they were they were going. I was, I was surprised. I was like, oh, they're going. And then the one goal get, goes in and it's like, okay, it's a great shot, but it's just like it's, you almost feel a letdown. But it's like, oh, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, beyond the game, the, the thing that disappointed me today was the. The fact the Rangers gave away that rush into Vancouver and we weren't in on that. Like, I just don't understand. I don't know if they, I don't know if they weren't in it or not. He didn't come I just, here. I have no idea if they were in on it. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I just find that it just seems like, like as I watch this team as we go along, and this, this is a bit of a shot, but it's, it feels a lot like we got a lot of second and third line players. Well, this year, and absolutely. It, it, because the guys just, who are supposed to be first line players have not been. Yeah, so it just feels like you watch the game and it just they don't like, and maybe that's why my problem with Madge was just I kept thinking, okay, maybe he's going to be closer to a first, but he's he's a second line player. He's a good second line player, but second line player. And if you look at their stats throughout, that's what the, what we have, right? So it just feels like if the thought is to stay with this group, we're going to have the same problem next year. Like it just, I don't know. I'd like to see like someone else text in. Like I'd say. Tavoli's amazing. He's having a great year, but Tavoli is worth a lot right now. I think. I think he's got a you know a playoff team. Like they're going to pay for him, right? I would think that if if I would think that if there was a team interested in him, that the Flames could leverage something pretty good for yeah. him. I, I would I would agree that, with that. I I don't know if they will. I uh, mean, I think that there's something to it. The only thing is, is that I do think that the Flames would be hoping to be better next year. Um, and, and as such, Toffoli would be a part of that. That would be the oh. only drawback to trading a guy like that. But I, I hear you. Mm, just, I think, like we talked about it before, and I think if, if the model is we're trying to go in the playoffs and do something, which it is because you put all this money forward, you're trying, right? You're trying to be a good team, go get in the playoffs, right? So this year it's sort of fading. I think you look at what – there was a comment about St. Louis being in – it's rumors, but in um, I think they're in uh, trying to get my uh, what's his name from San Jose. Yeah, it's it's not like that's that's what has been put out there by uh, but, I, I believe it's Frank Saravalli who said that they're they're a team that's interested. Whether or not they get them, we'll see. Uh, but even but even the even if it's whatever it is, right? The idea though of them gathering up first round picks by trading people, taking that cap space and those picks. And then looking for a team that's trying to get rid of one of these players, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like the rebuild on the fly. I yes, think. that's exactly yeah. what. If if they were to get him, that's exactly what we'd be talking about. So, so I look at I look at Calgary. Let's let's be real here. You windows now. You paid all these guys, right? So that's fine. But if 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 the pieces you have are are worth something right now, and they're not working this year, you know, next like maybe next year, maybe we get real lucky and everything turns out and they're just better. Maybe, but they're most they're second and third line players. They're playing okay for second and third line players, but you need the people at the top of your roster, right? So I think it's just a nice that thought of that idea of switching, trying to trade out people to get. Maybe if you're getting nothing, you don't trade them out. But if you're getting, if you're trading guys that are 
have some value. Like you can pull a first out, then you have two firsts to put out there, right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think, I feel like that idea is a good idea for the Flames, but you can't, the core you can't move because they're all no trades. They all have yeah. no trades. So you're stuck with them. That's fine. Maybe Markstrom bounces back next year. He's a good goalie. His record shows he should, right? So I just usually think you, could, you could do that. A goalie like him who yeah. has a certain track record does indeed bounce back. It's no, it's it's not a guarantee. It's not scientific, but mm-hmm. usually it happens more often what? than not. Yeah, I just feel it's like a lot. And, and again, you, it's like you said, it's not scientific, but you look at like Hellebuck. I always look at Hellebuck. Now, Hellebuck did not have as bad a season as Markstrom's having. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But he had a pretty, like, listening to Winnipeg fans, he had a pretty. <laughs> yeah, but he was he was, he was was still in the 900s at least last year. Oh, really? Well, oh. Hellebuck last year had a 910. And what's Markstrom? Like, right now, he's like eight. I would guess he's. 898, oh, sorry, 888, 889, somewhere in that range. Yeah, you're locked into the contract, so so all you can do is hope, right? I just think that that's my thought about it, is start looking at those more skilled guys, make, like, start thinking about, okay, what's coming up, what are guys trying to do, like, I think I think you could, you could pick some of those guys up and just accept that the team you have is second and third liners. Think about trying to turn they those try. into it's cap just, it room. Feels, and, it feels easier it. said than done. But it's yeah. it's it's. I do think there's some significant decisions that need to be made here, and it may not be this deadline that they ultimately do get made, and it might have to wait until the summer. But it does feel like there are some pretty big looming decisions coming, Tim. I appreciate the call, pal. Yeah, have a good night. You as well, man. We'll talk soon. Hey. Yeah, man. is your phone number following a Flames 4-1 loss in Colorado. It's uh, Pat Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk postgame show with Robert up next. What's up, Robert? Good evening, Pat. Good evening, sir. Just got out of Shanks, the old stomping grounds. Oh, nice. Patty, a lot of sadness, disbelief tonight. Not because of the game. Oh, let me start the good news. We got the Leafs and Bruins on back-to-back next week, so we got a chance. I sense the sarcasm in your voice, Robert. Oh, well, no, it's a fact. We got them back-to-back. They do. I will. I mean, they, they just had the Avalanche back-to-back as well. Yeah. Coming from Winnipeg to Denver didn't work so mm-hmm. very. But yeah. I will say, if you are the eternal optimist, Boston plays in Edmonton on Monday and yeah. then Calgary on Tuesday. And yeah. then Toronto plays in Edmonton on Wednesday yeah. and Calgary on Thursday. So, yeah, you if, know, you're really, if you're really looking for optimism, there, I got I got some for you. You know, Patrick, you know, Shanks used to be our old stomping grounds. You know, Pat, I feel so dejected tonight, so unhappy, so sad. Yes, I'm mad. I, I felt like that 2006 when we lost to Anaheim 3 not in that seventh game. Tonight, it's almost even, the level. You know why, Patty, the sadness, the disbelief? I look teams around us. Even though they haven't won, up north, David Drysaddle, they haven't won, the Leafs, Matthews, and then I look at all those teams like Carolina, Rain, all, the good, all those contenders. Uh-huh. And I look at us, the Seattle Kraken and the LA Kings have more points than us. Are you, for the goodness of love, 
For the goodness of God, has anybody in this organization have a clue what's going on here for the last 15, 20 years? The Seattle Kraken and the LA Kings with Kopitar, generic Kopitar, have more points than us. Nashville's almost beside us. The Minnesota Wild, and we're talking about transition here this year. When Uber the next year is 30 years old, our team, an old team like we have, we're looking at transition. Patty, please, can you answer this? Does anybody in this organization from the top have any idea about to make a Stanley Cup, build a team? Because if they're just worried about money, I'd rather them say to us, we just care about the money. We don't want to win as long as we make money. Can you please answer me, Patty, before I really blow Gasket tonight? Can you tell me, does anybody in this organization have a clue how to build a contender? Because we'll never be a contender or close to a contender or any kind of team. And don't tell me the first place last year or the first place five years ago. Those can you please answer to Patty? You have to I don't answer. know what you want me to say, Robert. I don't know. No, you have to say something to me, Patty. You're my friend. And you have to say something to I me. Don't, I you don't. I don't. I'm really going to blow casket and really go off tonight on this call. Dude, I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't. I mean. Simple question, Patty. Does anybody in this organization, from the top up, have any idea how to run a business, build a hockey club, or is it just for the money? I have to know this tonight. Well, I don't. I don't have a definitive answer for you. I do know that, you know, I do think that running it like a business is part of what we're mm-hmm. talking about, and yeah. I think it is hard sometimes to run a business and run a winning hockey team. I, I think those are sometimes difficult things to mesh. Not impossible, but. I do think direction comes from the top down. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and dispute that. Um, so that's about as good as I can do for an answer for you, pal. Second, quickly. Buddy, I said Mark from his broken mentally. The owners broke up. But I don't know nothing. I just watched hockey for 45 years old. Can you tell me when we played Emmett in the first game of the year, who we started in that? So it's not me saying mentally. Tom Macron's was mentally broken by the orders. Who did we start against Edmonton? First game of the year. Uh, Vladar started that game in Edmonton. So the club was telling you the orders really messed up Markstrom bad. They told you, not me. Number two, what was Sri Levy doing in, uh, in Colorado tonight? Pacing up and down in the... What was he, who was he scouting there? Like, like who was he scouting? Because Yarvin Yager is back in Europe. Maybe he could go sign him like he did a few years back so he could sell some hockey sweaters. Yarmouth Yagers in Europe, if he wants to bring it back. What, what, what was he doing in Colorado tonight? Who was he scouting? Uh, he's the GM, Robert. He travels with yeah, the team. No, I don't no, know what. Scou- again, I, like, I, I don't know what answers you want building, from me. Here. You're he's scouting the GM. somebody opposition. He, he goes to every game. Every game. Okay. So now the third point. Uh, Lou said, it's no fun, no joy. Two people, Patty. Because the ownership, we can't change because we can't buy the team. Three living starter, one, two. Three living brought starter, 
That's why the team's not having fun. No joy, no luck. I don't care about this two Stanley Cup. It's all story. Different game. Speed, speed. Speed demons. All team. Three leavings of culprit? Sutter, because he bought in Sutter. We didn't bring Sutter last year. We could have had a shot of a big draft last year. He bought in Sutter a few years back, and he couldn't blow up the team because Sutter was there. Copper number one, tree living. Copper number one, Madden, ownership. Copper number two, tree living. Copper number three, Sutter. The faster these three people go, and the owner will never go, Murray Evers, because I don't know if he's in England, wherever he is. He'll never go. But the next two guys, please, Patty, I'll pick them up at the airport, both of them. I'll drive one to Viking and tree living wherever he wants to go, free of charge. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Robert. Uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 following a Flames 4-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche on this Saturday night. The uh, phone lines are slamming on a Saturday, as you'd expect. Tim, up next. What's up, Tim? Hey, Patty. How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> you know what? I, I agree with Robert. I love his passion, and he's right about a few things. Honestly, I think the defensive railing, I think that the Sutter hiring came from above him. Uh, I don't believe think, that to be huh? an accurate statement. I, I believe that Brad was uh, very much on board with, with hiring Daryl Sutter. Okay. I, I would disagree with you, but that's okay. Well, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, I'm not trying to be rude about it, but I mean, I, I have that on pretty good authority. Okay. I think they I think they need to change out the coaching. If the players are frustrated, nobody's and there's too much frustration and the carry is over, then they're they're losing the messaging. And number three, I I can't put all this on Markstrom tonight. Maybe goals one and three, but that's about it. But uh that's fifty percent of them. Yeah, that's true, but you look at the goals. First goal, high glove side. Everybody knows that when you scout Markstrom, high glove. And how far back was he in the net when the when the shot came in? Same as Vladar the other night. How far in the net was he when those goals are coming in? All right, it's a confidence issue in the goaltending. But number two, when number sixteen was on the ice for one of those goals tonight, and he had a fourth liner go skating through him like he was butter, to score a goal like that. Our defense is overrated, big time. It has certainly not you know, uh, lived up to the yeah. uh, preseason you, billing, that is for sure. Because you think about it, it's Doros great on the boards and the walls. Great wall defense, but when it comes to open ice stuff, he's just too big for those little guys that can zip around him like that. It really hasn't been them. a huge issue this year until after the All-Star break. He was having a really good year prior to that. Since coming yeah. back from the break, it's it's been it's been a little bit more of a struggle for him, that's for sure. See, and with the kind of team defense they have, I totally agree with you 100%. Leaving Wolf in, on, in the farm team is the best thing because you might as well just put a pylon in the net with the way they, they allow guys to come in on their own end like that because it's, it's terrible. It's a shooting gallery, and it's high-quality shots. It's not the low variety like what Calgary does. Calgary shoots perimeter on the perimeter, but a lot of those other teams are getting really good luck. Right, and I think that's part of it's just that they're, as you said a while back too, that they're a slow team. 
compare them to a team like Colorado. I mean, Calgary was there yesterday, sitting there waiting for the avalanche. Had to fly in from their game from Winnipeg. So you think Calgary would be like, hey, man, let's stay on it and let's skate the heck out of the mall game. But they couldn't do that. Correct. You know, and so I, that's why I think it, it falls on, on how the coaching structure is. Maybe there's something going on with the coaching towards the goaltending, too, that's affecting the way the goaltenders are. How do you have two guys that are just having bad years in the same year together like that? So you have to look at the whole thing, right? Save percentage is not just on the goaltender. It's what's your team defense doing? What are you doing in your own end? How many times did they give up that puck in the third period where it looks silly? Right? Short passes, guys not looking to where they're passing to before they're passing and things like that. So you're not getting that kind of, you know, positive or affirmative kind of work in your own end. I like that. I, I, I like that word, affirmative. I, I, yeah. that's, I like that. You know? It's it's about congealing, and just when you think you see the team congeal, it doesn't want to congeal. So, I I, I disagree with their philosophy that the veterans will will get us through things. I it, you, I agree with the experience, but it all depends on the type of experience that each of these veterans have been through. Well, right? and, then, and and you know the 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 biggest problem that I have had with this season this year, Tim, is the fact that. They're supposed to be a veteran team. And, I mean, they are a veteran team. They've got guys who have won. They've got guys who have gone deep. I mean, we're talking about veterans like Tyler Toffoli, Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, Elias Lindholm, Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund. Uh, These are Chris Tanev. Um, These are these are guys. Hold on, just let me hold on. Just give me two seconds, Tim. Just let me finish the sentence. Um, Okay. Just give me two seconds. Um, (laughs) They've got a lot of veterans, but they don't play like a veteran team, or they don't do the things that you'd expect come along with being a veteran team, right? Like their, their third periods are a really good example and their inability to hold leads. It's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. So I, w- I was in the process of agreeing with you, my friend. I just wanted to finish uh, the sentence. I get you. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, they got to look at the whole issue in the off season and, and really you got to come to that point where you got to decide, okay, we, maybe we value these pieces too much in our own market but is it really hurting us or, or is it helping us because we're valuing the assets we do have, or do we have to move on to some of these guys? Well, I know this, they've got some really, really interesting decisions to make this off season, Tim. I'm really curious, you know, the trade yeah. deadline less so just because it's, it's harder to make super franchise uh, d- like directional franchise moves at the deadline. But uh, definitely this offseason, there's going to be a, a lot of questions, my friend. It's good to hear from yeah. you, pal. Yeah, uh, you too, Pat. Thanks. We'll, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right, buddy. Thanks, Tim. Uh, see, Tim, it's I'm not. I know people always get mad at me. Like, oh, Pat, you, you don't don't raise your voice. It's Tim. I, we got a report. Don't worry about it. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Following a 4-1 loss for the Flames on the road in Colorado. Lots more time left on our Flames Talk postgame show here on this Saturday night. What's going on, Parsons? How we doing? Not good. Not good. That that was a horrible display of hockey tonight. Yeah, it's just hockey. There's lots of other reasons why you should be doing well. It's no well, longer I minus mean, 30. Well, 
I'm not I'm minus trying, 30. man. I'm trying. <laughs> I wish I was minus 30. Um, Don't say that. I'll ban you from the show. No, I mean, like, I wish I was under 30 years old. Oh, oh, yeah, awesome. me too. Yeah, that would be awesome. I wish the last 10 years of my life never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here, buddy. Um, I'm just... I, I, I'm not going to be super positive tonight. I'm going to hit you up with that right away. Um, Here's the deal. We watch a really crappy game. Yeah. And, um, but then after, you know, we hear, you know, phrases like, you know, we did some good things and blah, blah, blah. Um, more run support. I hate that term, by the way, because it's a baseball term. It has nothing to do with hockey. But anyways, um, and it just, it, it's driving me nuts, man, because we're losing. So any of that stuff, there's no participant awards anymore. Like, it is what it is, right? Um I'm not sure exactly what the solution is with this team. All I know is that uh, we are in the bottom half of the league in terms of goals against and several other things. This is not what it was last year with the same coach. So I question you know, what's different. And, but at the same time, you have to stop questioning and it's just about results. So I'm really disappointed with guys like Huberto right now. I've watched this guy for years. This guy's a really good talent, really good talent. And, but he looks non-existent out there. So I don't know about you, Pat. Well, it was only a week ago. That he had had himself, like, you thought that maybe it was one week ago, Saturday night, 8-10 face-off, New York Rangers at the Scotiabank Saddledome, and the guy was electric. And then... He was. It hasn't been anywhere near the same since. Yeah. Well, and, but, you know, every dog has his day. For sure. And I'm I'm not, I'm not, that that wasn't even me defending him. It was more just, I get the frustration because you saw it that night. You're like, damn, Huberto looks good here. And he's a really good player. He's better than this. And and that's why there's there, there's more to it than, you know, just Huberdeau not being a good hockey player. Like there's I definitely think that we're talking about some big time growing pains or growing issues or adjustment. Is it growing issues. pains though? Well, again, this the, w- let, let me finish. Okay. There, there's there's definitely something to this look. He and Daryl Sutter, I, I, I absolutely think that there's a little bit of disconnect there or have been. I think that that and that's not an excuse. That's on both parties. But I think that I think absolutely it has been difficult for Jonathan to adjust to this head coach, the way this coach goes yes. about his business, what this coach wants 
his players to do, um, the way he wants the team to play, all of it. I think there's absolutely something to that, um, which is on Jonathan and it's on the coach. Like you're talking about the highest paid player in team history who still has eight more years after that and his new $84 million contract hasn't kicked in. So it's on the coach to try to get the best out of his player. And I don't think Daryl has done a good enough job of that. And on the other side, it's on this guy who is the new franchise player, at least when it comes to his contract. And, and he needs to do a better job of of adjusting and, and being okay with with what this coach is asking for. So, yeah, it's it, but you can't sit. I cannot sit here and tell you that that doesn't have a part to play in what we've well, seen so far. And while I like Jonathan Huberto, um, we all have to be realistic about the fact that he's not a 115 point guy. No, and I, I don't think I don't and at least for me, I didn't think that's what we were gonna be seeing from him this year. I did think that we could be talking about an eighty five, ninety general. point guy. Yeah. Just in general. Like I th- I think his contract is very inflated because of the situation when Johnny left. Well, Johnny and, and Matthew, like just the yeah, whole Johnny circumstances of the thing yeah, yeah. played but into what I, I think why it was in circumstance that he got that nice contract because of that. Um, he's not a typical, even a hundred point guy. Oh, no, so, he got he got triple digits once in his career. That was it. Yeah, and, and we'll see. Was, I'm not saying it won't happen again, but so far it's it's been once. Anyways, um, so here's where I'm at with this team right now, I think um, the next couple of games or so before the trade deadline, honestly, um, let's do, let's do small moves. We don't have to do massive moves. Like let's, um, let's recoup some assets. Like Nashville's already started it because they're already intelligent and knowing, yeah, we're not making it. It's time to recoup some assets. Or they're saying to themselves, because I, 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 I like where you're going with it. Uh, they're saying, we might make it, we might not. They actually have a better points percentage now than the Flames do. Um, so on points percentage, Calgary's down at 10 in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what David Poyle is saying is, okay, this is, uh, it's it's probably not going to be our year. Maybe we make it. We'd love to make it. But we're not going to, we're not going to prioritize making it over doing the good right. things for our franchise. And so they traded right. Nita Ryder exactly. today. Nita Ryder's been really good for him for the most part this season. Absolutely. But they got a second round pick for him. They didn't yep. see him. You know, a guy who is straddling thirty. They did not yep. see Nita Ryder as a, a guy who is going to be a core member for them going forward. So they uh they made the trade and they got a good return from Winnipeg from him. For him. Yeah, they got a second rounder. And so I think, uh, and and Nita Ryder is thirty. He'll be thirty-one next year. I I think there's something to that for the Flames. Now, unfortunately, their expiring contracts aren't aren't of the most um, sex appeal value. But you know, you've got guys like I, I keep going back to Zadorov, uh, who I know he had a rough game. Um, Zadorov to Foley. Um, and and when it comes to expiring deals to a lesser extent, Lucic, uh, I think Lewis could draw some interest. I don't think you're getting the same type of response. And I'm not even trying to run these guys out of town. I just think, and, and Parse, we got to start to wrap up here. But I just think that there is a time for 
pragmatism. And now that now right now feels like a time to be pragmatic. And yes. and I like what I like what St. Louis and Nashville have done. And I know yes. that the Flames had a lot built up on this year, but they didn't go about their summer just for this year. And I think you well, can be pragmatic right now. And exactly. so anyway, that's, that's how I feel. I, I like where you're going with it. Be quick because i got to move on after this. Yeah, no, it's just sometimes we have a plan in the beginning and sometimes the plan doesn't turn out. So it's okay to change course. There's nothing wrong with that. Yep. Okay. Be well, Pars. We'll talk soon. You too, man. Uh, let's uh, continue along on the phone lines tonight. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, Carrie is up next. What's going on, Carrie? Howdy, howdy. Okay, here it oh, is. Oh, is this, uh, here. I, sorry, that's, it says Carrie on my screen. Terry. Hello, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> I, as, soon as, I, as soon as I heard your voice, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not Carrie, that's Terry. Uh, no problem. Um, I've heard the guy say quite a few times throughout the season that um, this is the best team uh, compared to last year on paper. Well, as we've seen again how many times this season that paper doesn't matter. It matters what you do on the ice. Yeah, they have not They have not lived up to expectations. There, there's no doubt about it. Nobody is going to sit here and dispute that. Uh, certainly not me. No, and I, I agree that uh, one person that looks way out of place is Huberto. For whatever reason, maybe he's not used to uh, playing in a hockey-hungry environment. I don't think Florida's that hockey-hungry. It ain't uh, Canada, make. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And uh, ju- just a question, I I'm, don't mean anything by it, but is it possible because Pelche's the only other French-speaking player on the team that he's struggling a little bit? That who's struggling a little bit? Huberdeau. Uh, no, because uh, Huberdeau's fully fluent, uh, fully fluent in, in both languages. He, he doesn't, there's no, there's no language barrier with, with Jonathan. He's been, he's been speaking it since a teenager. You know, he played, he played in a English speaking market in the queue. And, uh, so he, he's fully fluent in English. Okay. Now, uh, consistency, here's the consistency review. Uh, 2014-15, we make the playoffs. 15-16, we don't. 16-17, we make the playoffs. Uh 17-18, we don't. Uh And you can go down the rest, and you see a pattern of make the playoffs, miss the playoffs. There's the one year. There's the one year where they made it two times in a row. Yeah, and that's only because of the play-in. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? I mean, they still made (laughs) it. You can't, like, they made the playoffs that year, whether... They had to win a play-in to make it, and they they were in a, have the NHL not been shut down. They very they were very likely to make it, or had a pretty decent chance of making it. So they have you can semantics me, but they've made the playoffs in back-to-back years once since 2009. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a long time. Because what um, they made the playoffs uh, for five straight seasons, and then missed for five straight years. And then have been in and out, except for that one stretch. So yeah, they've made the playoffs in consecutive years once since 2009. After that Chicago loss. Yeah. Um, how old was Vernon when he came up? I almost think it's irrelevant because that was in the 80s, and this is 2023. Yeah, but Vernon was uh, a short goaltender too. Yeah, in and in a league. 
Have you, have you, Terry, I, I know that uh, you've got a couple years on me, and I don't say that in a derogatory fashion. You know the 80s better than I know the 80s. Uh, does the game look anything similar, uh, the 1980s, to uh, where we are now? Like, like the, oh, look at the sticks these guys are playing with, and look at what the goal. I just, I worry that, I, like, I just think it is completely unfair. I know where you're going with this. I think it is so completely unfair to call up a 21-year-old goaltender by the name of Dustin Wolf and say, hey, hey, young man, season's I'm on you. Have fun. I'm not debating that. I'm not debating that. All I'm asking is for Vernon, you ask me a question, I'll give you a, two, a two-word answer. Gretzky's Oilers. If you took those 1980 Oilers and played against any team right now, they'd still blow them off the ice. Uh-huh. What does that have to do with anything? Pardon me? So where are you going with that? And so I'm saying, well, Vernon came in and he took us to the Stanley Cup final in 86 and beat the Oilers. So <laughs> right. All is not bad. Let's put it that way. That's all. That's all I was saying. Is okay. I just wanted to know how old Vernon was when he came in, and he's a short goaltender. So every once in a while, a short goaltender does have I'm not, a good And I'm career. not suggesting the Wolf's not going to be a good NHL goaltender. I've got high hopes for him. I just don't want to uh, derail where things are going. Oh, yeah, I understand with completely this what you're saying. Like, keep I, I really keep this guy away from saying. this mess. <laughs> yes, until, until somebody, and it can't be Sutter that does this. The team has got to have one of those meetings where the coach stays away, traveling stays, traveling stays away, and they get in the room and they call each other out. And they go, you're not playing up to snuff. You're not playing up to Who snuff. Who knows, you're man? I mean, they probably have already. Well, they may need to do it again because you look at another player that signed a big deal, and that's uh, Maggio Pani, and he's only got 13 goals. Yes. And so he hasn't put up. Uh, of the players that were here last year, I would say that Backlund, uh, for forwards, Backlund and um, Toffoli. Yeah, are the only two that's that's matched their output from last year or improved. Yeah, I think and Coleman Coleman probably will too. Uh, yeah, because we've got another 22 games left. Yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, the last thing I want to say is Seattle and Minnesota have games in hand or, and, and are in front of us in yes, the standings. Yes, the math is not good for Calgary. No, especially when Nashville's only four points back and has four games in hand. They've got a better points percentage than Calgary does right now. Again, the math is not Calgary's friend. They're going to have to... They're going to have to do some significant work to get on the other side of the math and put themselves back to even. They've got a, they've got a big time uphill climb, my friend. It's good to hear from you, Terry. Have a good one. Be well. We'll talk soon, my guy. You bet. Bye. Uh, one phone line still open at 403-240-4444. Uh, give us a call. If you're on hold, stay there. If not, keep them coming. 403-240-4444. Keep the text coming at 960-960. We'll dive back in on the text line very shortly as well on your Flames Talk postgame show. By the way, our Alberta-made player of the game selected in the pregame show, brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery, was Nazem Kadri back in Denver for the first time uh, since winning the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche last year. Kadri had an assistant Tonight, played 18-24, was minus one, four shots, one hit, 
Uh, five shot attempts, seven for 13 at 54 percent in the faceoff dot. Tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Speaking of Kadri, let's hear from him post game in Denver following tonight's 4 1 loss to the Avalanche. Uh, yeah, it was uh, certainly was. I mean, obviously, they came out and uh, scored on their first couple shots, so um, obviously, had a hard st hot start and it's tough to recover after that. Um, you know, I didn't mind it. Obviously, a uh, great, great fight by Luch trying to get the guys going, and I felt like we uh, showed some pushback. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, it just uh, wasn't enough. The um, tribute they gave you, how did that make you feel that they honored you mm -hmm. that way? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, just you know, very classy. It was you know hard not to get emotional, and you know, obviously uh, had some great years here, and you know they. Uh, City and the fans just continue to uh, to support me, and it meant a lot to me. Yeah, so how about uh, on a game like this? I feel like you guys probably feel pretty bad the way you kind of hung Markstrom out to dry. Yeah, I mean, we would definitely, uh, you know, like to help him with a couple more goals and maybe give him some some leeway. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, we just we got to come together and uh, you know and try to turn this around. After a game like this. You say the feeling in terms of faith of trying to make the playoffs is like for you guys. Mm -hmm. Do you think you guys still believe? Of course we do. Uh, you know, not one guy's going to quit in here. Of course, we're going to fight right to the end and never know what's going to happen. So uh, we're going to continue to do that. But in saying that, you know, I think uh, you know we gotta we gotta be better and continue to try to work on things we we're not great at. How would you sum up the road trip? Um, I mean, this was a big game. If we, you know, got this one, it would have been five out of six. So, uh, th you know, this one, this one hurts. But um, at the end of the day, there's not much you can do now. You just gotta go back home, try to string a few uh, wins together, and see what happens. You mentioned, you know, just going back to the drawing board and trying mm -hmm. to fix the things you, you know, you're not good at. Is it not frustrating to be at this point in the year and still have some of those things you're, you say you guys are still mm -hmm. not good at? Yep. Still kind of come up. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. So, uh, you know, as a player. You know, you can uh, let that frustration just build and, and uh, let you stray away from your game and your focus. Or, you know, you can approach it, uh, have a different mentality and, you know, try to learn from it. And, um, you know, like, like we said, no one's going to quit. We're, we're going to continue to fight and uh, we're going to see what happens here. That is Nazem Kadri postgame following tonight's 4-1 loss to the Colorado Avalanche. It's Steinberg along with you. Phone lines remain open. Text line remains open. This is your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To learn more and for all things basement-y, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for the final time. Let's check in with defenseman Nikita Zadorov as the Flames fall 4-1 on the road in Colorado to wrap up this three-game trip. Here's a Zadorov postgame in Denver. Well, I take responsibility. I think the loss is on me. I, mean, I was on the ice for three goals against. Unacceptable, you know, first goal, bad positioning. Second, I should have blocked it. You can't go to the net, and third one, I just got to walk. So definitely worst timing to get a worst game of your career. Yeah, uh, so I was going to ask about the defense the role you guys played, but you kind of already laid it on the line just yeah. as a group. I guess you guys feel like you really let Marky down. 
Well, I'm, I let Marky down. I can't tell. I mean, I was. Uh, I got to be better in some of those situations. You know, like first goal against McKinnon on the ice. You got to know who you're on the ice against. He's the best player in the world. So it's just about positioning defensively. Second goal, power play. You know, like a third grenade to Taney behind the net. He, he had no chance to clear it, and then we got stuck. And then that flank shot, I got to block it. So it's on me as well. Like they're good players. They're gonna make plays. They're gonna capitalize on those defensive mistakes. So yeah, definitely. Well, do you think the score was indicative of, of the game, or do you think it was? A Game. Well, we got we got two behind right away, right? So it's tough. They Stanley Cup champions they know how to play with the lead and everything. So it was defensively thought they were pretty good. They were uh, working hard over there. Obviously, it was back to back. Maybe they weren't that fast as normally, but I mean they're a good team. You know, we, we can't go two goals down and then expect something else. Did you like the pushback though after you're down to nothing? You guys right away, like you had a number of chances. Well, Luj gave us big push. I think it was. Uh, it was great. It was lots of emotions on the bench. You know, it got the guys going. You know, we got the power play goal real quick right after it. So I think we had a chance. But then, even in the third, like going down two goals and then give up that th- fourth point is just yeah. It's uh, like you have no chance if you just make those mistakes. There you go. Uh, Nikita Zadorov puts it on himself, calls it the worst game of his career, and the Flames fall by a 4-1 score. Nikita has has just not been the same since the All-Star break. I'll say that. He was having a really good year prior to that. The 10 games since the All-Star break just has not been the same guy. Um, That's definitely been something that, that has been noticeable. Uh, that's your final look inside the Flames locker room with Nikita Zadorov. 4-1 final. Flames fall to the Colorado Avalanche. Back to the text line we go at 960-960, starting with Will and BC. Save percentage tonight. Markstrom 818. Georgiev 966. That's really all that needs to be said. Pat, is there any possibility the Flames can improve their goaltending situation for next season? Besides the need for an elite forward, I think if the Flames keep the status quo with goaltending next year will be uh, a repeat of this year. The Flames need a McDavid or a Matthews or a Barkov or a McKinnon, but those guys are all drafted. I don't think it's possible to trade for a player like that. Pat, can you offer any hope for next year? Flames are a solid team, in my opinion, but with a couple of seriously important needs. Here is my, um, if you ask me, Will's asking for some hope for next season. Here's how I would go about it. I think this year is a nightmare. I think there's been a lot that has happened. Um, It's not an excuse, but I do think there is a significant transition year that is going on right now for the Flames. I think there are um, slower than expected, even for the guys in question, adjustments to a new coach, a new system, a new market, new expectations, so on and so forth. I think that goes from new players like Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto to lead the way, but I also think there is a significant adjustment going on for guys who remain here. Uh, I think Elias Lindholm, I think Andrew Manchapani, um, I think Noah Hannafin would be three guys that I would speak to. And and then you've got a, a, a goaltending situation that has been really, really poor this year, but specifically on Jacob Markstrom. And I know Will is, is pretty checked out on Jacob, but Markstrom is a guy that has a, a fairly long track record of about half a decade of being a really good NHL goaltender. He's having a down year. He's at 888. Like, he's having a nightmare season. But usually... When a goaltender has a way down season after a solid track record of like five, six years like Markstrom had, usually they're able to get it back on track. And and that's what the Flames are hoping for. 
I think there is a better chance than not that it will happen. Whether it does or not, I can't. It's not a science. But I even look at Cam Talbot and and how Talbot got his career back on track in his one year in Calgary. He looked completely done, and he was able to turn it around. Carey Price, Jonathan Quick, uh, many other number one goaltenders in this league have had really down years. I know that everybody points to Connor Hellebuck last year. Hellebuck had a down year, but not a year like this. Like. Markstrom's at 888. He's he's almost certainly, it's almost going to be impossible for him to finish above 900 this season, or not impossible, but it's going to be really difficult. Nobody saw that coming. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of times goalies do revert back to what they are. So if a guy who's been very average or below average for five years has an incredible season, it usually doesn't last. And when a guy who's been very steadily strong for five or six years has a down year like this, usually it bounces back. Not always. It's not a science, but I think it's at the very least worth waiting to see if it happens. I also think Dan Vladar is better than what we've seen from him, certainly since the trade deadline. Neither guy has been good at all since the trade deadline. I think they've got two good goaltenders based on what they're capable of having in one case an awful season and on the other a very mediocre season or or you know just a barely average season you got two goalies below 900 it's just it's, it's not getting the job done but I don't think that that means it's going to be that way again next year that would be and I think the same is true Huberto, Kadri, Lindholm I think that this whole year almost call it a write-off I'm just really interested to see what next year brings. And maybe next year brings the same, in which case, well, that's a real problem. And if it doesn't, well, then maybe we're going to be having some different conversations. I just think it's worth it to try and wait and see based on how much upheaval, how much core upheaval we've seen, unprecedented core upheaval that we saw this summer. And as such, I think it's worth it to see what year two is all about. That's me. Uh, that's a very long answer to your question, Will. Um, this says, super impressed with how consistent, uh, consistent the find-a-way-to-lose Flames have been this season. They just seem to find a way more often than not. With that said, watching train wreck videos on YouTube is far more entertaining with less time commitment. I'll get my fix on YouTube for the rest of the season. This should have been a rebuilding year, but the Flames refuse to be anything but average. Uh, this says, I'm not sure if the Flames should be trading away any futures to bring in a rental player for a roster that most likely isn't even going to make the playoffs. How can we even expect to make the playoffs when they can't string together two wins in a row? Well said. That's why I don't believe they should be going after players for this season. I really, really don't. Um... What else we got here at 960-960? This has been a tough road to hoe for Flames fans. The team looks like they are a mix of the Three Stooges and a squad of Stormtroopers. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we haven't seen any direction in goaltending leadership, expectations, or accountability. Post-game interviews remind me of kids saying whatever they think dad wants to hear so they can finish the talking to. So tired of wasting three hours every couple of days to cheer for these guys. No way in hell can I take my kids to see this team live this year. Can't justify paying over $100 a ticket for this. Selling would be the most prudent thing for them to do at this point. That comes from Jared in Lethbridge, not Jeff. Jared in Lethbridge. Thanks for listening down uh, in Lethbridge. Lethbridge. Uh, what else we got here at 960-960? Uh, this says from Sam. 
Pat, it feels like the Flames can't get out of their own way. They started off with a few strong shifts, and then the first two shots go against you. 22 left on the schedule. I think they would roughly need to go 14-8 and eight to crack number eight. They showed Brad up in the pressers tonight. I hope the result tonight game, results tonight's game has finalized his opinion of not doing anything dramatic for this year's trade deadline. It just isn't happening this year. His focus should clearly be on what moves will put the team in a better spot next season, personnel-wise and draft capital-wise. I don't think adding a goalie will solve this team's deficiencies this year. If I were to throw a name or two out there that would be inexpensive in total, uh, Hail Mary, Reimer, or Corpus Salo. Uh, I just, the amount that you'd have to pay and with your goaltending situation already, you've got Vladar on a one-way next year, starting a two-year deal. You'll have three years left of Markstrom with a full no move. I just, I don't think it, it truly is feasible uh, to bring in a guy, especially like Corpusalo. Reimer, I don't think moves the needle. Corpusalo, I like him a lot. I just, the, the way your goaltending contracts are set up going forward, I just don't think it's feasible. Jeff in Lethbridge says, I wouldn't blame Tre Living for making major changes to this lineup. Uh, Brendan in Invermere. Uh, Pat, I'm done. This season's done. I'd be ta I would be taking calls on anyone. No one's off the table to get traded. This team can't get it done, and honestly, I don't want them to make the playoffs because they'll be out in a quick four. This team was supposed to have one of the best decors in the league. They look like a Bush League back end. Yeah, goaltending's bad, but the group in front of them are just as bad or worse. They can't buy a bounce or a goal. I miss Kachuk mucking it up, showing passion and scoring goals. Thank goodness baseball season starts soon. Go Jays. That's from Brendan in Invermere. Um, what else we got here at 960? 960. This from Mike, Pat, that was an ugly one. Colorado flexed their muscle and owned the Flames through the middle of the ice and their ability to close gaps with their speed. The Flames honestly have nothing to offer skills-wise. They have to work hard for absolutely everything and need boatload of chances just to score. Colorado, on the other hand, doesn't have to try too hard. Their guys just do it. Jonathan Huberdeau is no Nathan McKinnon. He's no Rantanen, and he might not even be Valerie Nachushkin. This organization needs to move on from Treliving as far as I'm concerned. It's been a decade, and it's the same results over and over again. We've already seen the season play out in other years, like 2016, 2017, 2018, 2020, and 2021. It doesn't, honestly doesn't matter who coaches. This is a roster construction issue and always has been. They have outshot and outplayed teams for years now, and they amount to nothing, just the same middling results year after year. This is hockey purgatory. Uh, that's from Mike. This the Avalanche were missing Makar and Landeskog. They played yesterday and traveled from Winnipeg, and they still look like the far superior team tonight. It's clear the Flames don't have the elite talent to compete for a Stanley Cup. They're missing players who can make plays, players with vision and creativity. The team and the fan base is desperately missing Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Losing those two players in one off season is a fireable offense, and Tree should not get a contract extension because of it. It's going to be fascinating to see what this team does at the deadline. Uh, Noah says, perpetual mediocrity, baby. Um, this from Mark in Country Hills. The goaltending is too much of a malfunction to overcome. The team seems like a larger malfunction. The team gets praised at times for stringing together very small portions of collective hockey. If tonight wasn't a cold bucket of water to the face, this team isn't even close to being relevant. Nothing will. I hate to harp on the goaltending, but the team's tandem, Markstrom especially, is so subpar, it's sickening. Um, what else we got here at 960-960? Rohit says, Pelche looked really good today but against the defending champs. 
Huberdeau seems slow and uninterested. Trading Lucic will not make them any better. Bringing Dustin Wolf for the last 20 games to get him some experience and also look at how this team performs in front of him. Uh, I don't like it, Rohit. Not until at least we know they're not going. If you bring Wolf in right now, the message would be, we're, we're counting on you, 21-year-old man with zero NHL experience, to give the goaltending for us to make the playoffs. If it's the last five or six games and they're not going, different conversation. I just think now, with this mess, is not the time to bring in a 21-year-old goaltender, Dustin Wolf, or anybody else. Um, what else we got here? There's... Uh, there's a lot still to get to. I'm trying to uh, go through as many as I can uh, and to also get uh, ones that are readable. And I only say um, I only say that because a lot of them come in fragmented and they're a little bit more uh, difficult to read. Pat, two things. One, believe Marky is so... Uh, I don't know what he's trying to say. Basically, I believe Markey is having trouble figuring out his short side top glove kryptonite. He's in a position to turn his season right here, right now, and leave this fiasco of a season behind, too. Man, I know the system and roster is not Colorado's, but it seems like the defense and forwards are skating like headless chickens. I'd like to see the team playing a bit more of a physical game and focus on their hockey basics. Uh, thanks and good night, Pat. Thank you. Um, Brenda says, Pat, watching this team makes my eyes bleed. No creativity, no speed, no enthusiasm. It's so lackluster and boring. The thought of having to watch this group again next year is depressing. Hoping it will change is not a strategy. They might well. They might as well sacrifice a chicken instead. Things have to change. I feel like the fans in this city are being shortchanged. Uh, that's a two consecutive uh, chicken references. Um... This reads from Andrew in Oak Ridge. Look, Pat, I'm not a rose-colored glasses optimist, but even so, I was firmly in the camp of make the playoffs and anything can happen. This team has had glaring issues, but has also shown dominance at times and on paper can do some damage. The game tonight, however, broke me. If they somehow make the playoffs this season, then a number of things have gone severely wrong with other teams in the West. And to modify what Daryl said last year, anyone that fl plays the Flames this postseason, that's a gift of eight days there you go from andrew in oakridge great stuff on the text line this evening at 960-960. i appreciate it uh, as we continue along in your flames talk post game it's steinberg with you let's get to the phone lines once again at 403-240-4444 flames lose 4-1 in colorado and we say hello to dale what's going on dale hey pat how are you doing i'm doing all right how are you oh, only about a dozen other people have asked i'm good <laughs> thanks man um, you know, it, it's, it would appear to me that, you know, like Bradtree living just hasn't made, well, actually what I want to start with Minnesota, they're the worst team out of the playoff teams and playoff positions right now in the West. Do you know what they're projected to get points this, to finish off with? I'll tell you, 97 points. Do you know what the Flames have to do to get 97 points? And that doesn't mean that every team that's projected well, to they be need to get 31 of their last 20. They need to get 31 of their last 20. But I can tell you right now that Calgary has to go 21, or hold it, 15, 6, and 1. They have to go from a 550 winning percentage to 710. I don't know how Derek Wills thinks going 2 and 2 is going to set them up good. Um, 
and I'm not going to get into Derek Will's comments because if I got into him, you'd have to hang up on me. But I don't know how it's done. It's over with. Um, it's not happening. They're not going 15-6-1. And, one. and uh, you know, I, Tree Living's had nine years. You know, look at look at how many draft picks we have lost because somehow, some way, this guy thinks that trading draft picks is going to put you over the top. There's not a single team in the National Hockey League, at least in modern era, that has ever traded or or done free agency to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, you can accent it to win a Stanley Cup, as the Flames did in 89 and leading up to it. But you don't trade and, and you know, do free agency to a Stanley Cup. How this guy has thought the draft picks are really not that important to build a Stanley Cup champion, I don't know. My worst-case scenario is, is that Brad or Bradtree Living is not going to get renewed, especially if they flounder the way they have down down the stretch. And the worst general manager that the Calgary Flames have ever had is going to be the general manager again. And maybe somebody might call in after me, or you might argue that Doug Risebrow was the worst general manager. Yes, he did make the worst trade in Flames history, but he was not the worst general manager. That goes to Daryl Sutter. I don't think, Dale... I don't think Daryl has eyes on that job. Are you sure? Are you sure? I think when he came back to finish the job, it was probably more about being at the helm. And, and, I don't. And, I don't believe that to be true. Based on what I know, I I I don't believe that to be true. I I don't think, from from what I understand and and uh, just people that I've spoken to and and look, I mean, it's it's uh, it's I, people that I trust. I don't think Daryl has eyes on being the general manager. I, I don't think that's what he's aiming for. Um, I hope not, because God forbid he was just horrific as a. No, that does not mean that Brad Tree Living is is back next year because he doesn't have a contract for next year. So no, and I don't think I think if they miss, I mean, why would you? He's had nine years. We they haven't even got a sniff. I think I think Brad Tree Living is a is a fair. He comes across as a very intelligent man. But, you know, going back to Robert, I mean, it's like there's some people that call into the show that have some really good takes. And I begin to wonder if some of them would be better as a general manager as anything we've had since Cliff Fletcher. Left. Well, a couple a couple of and things. And I know that's, I know a that's couple sarcasm, of things. but I mean, let's be honest. Just I guess the the first thing that I would say is remember, you know, and I, I'd even say this for for people that were ruthlessly criticized. Like I look at Jim Benning in Vancouver. Right. Jim Benning was a pretty bad general manager, but also had marching orders that played into why he made the decisions he made. When when you've got your owner in, in Frankie Aquilini telling you that you need to stay competitive, that that makes it difficult to to do to do things the way you'd want. And I do just hold on, just hold on, Dale, just hold on, just hold on, just hold on, just not talk over one another. I do think that there are marching orders from the top about staying competitive. I don't think that this owner or majority owner is interested in a rebuild right now. So as a general Are manager... You talking you could, Are you talking Edwards? Yeah, the, the majority owner, okay. Murray Edwards. Right. I don't think he yeah. is interested or has been interested in in doing a rebuild. And so if that's the case, but, you still but, have a boss to, to be beholden to. Number two, I, I know, number two, I know, just but, let me... But, just hold on. Okay. Number All two, right. I think that they could do a whole lot worse than Tree. I think they... I think that... 
and, and I am just hold on. Right. I I am biased. I absolutely am biased, and I will not dispute that. But I do look at what happened this off season, and the way that this team was transformed, and the bad yeah. deck of cards that the Flames were handed. I think Brad True Living deserves another couple of years to see the new direction through. That's just me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, Dale. I have no idea. I, I, I and and I, I and I don't I don't think that like I think that you I you're understandably saying where I understand why you are where you are. I have no idea if if he's going to be back or not. That's just kind of where I am right now. And I understand his hands were tied. And to answer your question, that's great. But I mean, is Murray Edwards that stupid? Does he not think that the people of, of Calgary are so sick and tired of whether they get in? Their chances are they're just barely squeaked in, and there's no way unless the planets align that the team's going to win a Stanley Cup and when they're out. I, I mean, it's time to, and I'm going to use the word, and you might hang up, it's time to piss or get off the pot. That one's fine. You, you know, I, it, it's time. You know? You and I don't even, I don't even dispute I that, Dale. I gave you yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Hold Go on. ahead. I gave you your chance. Now, the fact of the matter is, is yeah, Detroit was a pretty darn good team when they when they tr- uh, drafted Zetterberg and Datsuk. It can happen, but you know what? And there's no guarantees if you tear the whole thing down. But it's a lot better freaking chance if you tear the whole thing down. And the franchise has never done that. And Cliff Fletcher did a pretty damn good job of building a building a Stanley Cup champion and they were never a horrible team and it can happen but chances are this has been too many freaking years of being in the middle of the road middle of the pack team going nowhere it's time to tear the goddamn thing down and try to Can you to just build it cool it a little bit like you don't need to add a superlative to every sentence can you just ah. cool it um and and number 2 what do you want me to say i don't make the decisions the, it comes know, right from the top, and and I guess I would say I, I I don't think that you're alone in in where you are, but and until the direction is given from the top that that's the way they want to go, I don't think it's going to happen, Dale. I got to move well, on, I man. But I style, I appreciate I it, brother. One one more quick, really quick, yeah. quick thing. Listen, when when the team loses, you know what? You guys go to don't go to the dressing room. No fan gives a rat's arse what those guys have to say when they lose. It's just verbal diarrhea. Maybe you guys should make a change. Maybe go out on a limb for a change. Don't even go to the dressing room. We couldn't care less what those guys have to say in the dressing room when they lose a game. It's just <laughs> verbal diarrhea. Okay, Dale. Appreciate All it, right. pal. Bye. I, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. That's part of what goes along with the job. Scott is next up on our Flames Talk postgame show. What's up, Scott? Hey, Dylan. Good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, interesting call from your last guy there. Um, but yeah, I was, I was actually along the same lines to understand, like, are we not done with the culture that this team has created? Like Murray, the direction that he's given, you got a coach that is so like out to lunch. He's created, I mean, Pat, you're a smart guy. You're in the know you understand that this guy has created the worst culture and nobody wants to play for him. You got an entire team that is playing below their abilities. You got a staff that doesn't want to work with him because they all know they won't be back next year. You got a, a GM that doesn't think he'll be back next year. And you got a coach that signed for the next two years that's been signed by an absentee owner that can't get enough 
arena deal done and uh, why the team is underperforming. I'm just wondering what, what your comments would be on, on that whole situation. Um, I think that they are in a, uh, I think that they're in a really interesting spot because you are correct. There's only one human being uh, on the coaching and or hockey ops uh, side of things that is under contract for next year. That would be Daryl Sutter. None of his assistants are, uh, and none of the management staff are from Brad true living to his assistants like Conroy and Pascal and snowy. Nobody's under contract for next year. So they're in a really interesting spot. I don't know how it's going to play out. I really don't. Um, and I do think that there are, I, I know that Daryl is a relentless guy, and I know that he can be a very difficult guy to play for uh, when it comes to the demands and the unrelenting nature of what he's looking for. And I think that that's okay, and it's easier to deal with when your team is winning like they were last year. I think it becomes a whole lot more difficult to fight through when you're having a year like this. Uh, I don't think that that is the only problem that we've seen. I think that Daryl bears some of the responsibility. I think players bear some of the responsibility for not adjusting properly or, or whatever the case may be. But it is not a good situation. I'm not going to sit here. And, and, and the uncertainty going into the summertime doesn't make it any, uh, any easier or unmuddy the waters anymore. Yeah, I mean, you, you're hitting it right on the head. Like, how is Brad supposed to make moves when he doesn't even know if he'll be here next year? And he's working with a coach that has, I mean, you know the no. And it's an environment that nobody is happy with right now. Nobody can perform. Nobody wants to be there. And you're wondering why this is all happening. You are, you, everybody keeps picking on the goaltenders, but yet you've got a system that you know, continues to uh, stress just let's get shots on net, let's get shots on net, but yet they give up high-quality chances at every chance that they get. When you look at the last three games, I was fortunate to be in person at the last two games, and every chance that they get is high-quality. When you look at the percentages, you've got 30% to 35% of high quality chances over any other goaltending duo in the entire league being the Calgary Flames. And how does that system work? But yet you've got a, a coach that now can stress and do whatever he wants because he's going to be the guy for the next two years at $5 million a year and nobody else is guaranteed to be here next year. So how do you run an organization that way? How do you have leadership that is that way? It makes for a uh, it makes for a, a really interesting dynamic right now. I, I I don't know the answer to your question, but I do know it makes for uh, a lot of um, uncertainty. It's intriguing from my standpoint because you know you're on the outside and, and you wonder how things are going to go. But I don't know if it necessarily is. Uh, I don't know. Is it is it conducive to being productive? I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like it would be. Yeah, there really isn't. A quite like an answer to it other than like this organization is troubled from the top down you've got an owner that can't get a deal done on an arena he leads by complete chaos 
and we are all sitting here frustrated seeing a team that probably could produce. We've got good players, and they can't perform because of the culture that he's created, and that's the biggest problem to me, and nobody really brings that up. We continue to blame the players, and it's really a culture problem that's created by the ownership group. All right, Scott. That's all I can say. <laughs> you have yourself a great night, hey? Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Bell. No, you're Scott. I'm Pat, but thank oh, you, Oh, I'm Bell. Scott. You're Pat. Yeah. <laughs> have a great night, man. Okay, bye. Let's say hello to uh, our buddy Eugenio on the text line, on the phone lines, rather. What's up, Eugenio? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good, brother. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I thought I'd call in tonight. Uh, remember, before you forget, first week of March, we're getting together. Yes. Uh, Evan said he's down as well. Oh, I'm not going if Evan's going. Ah, you have to come. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, just uh, calling. Um, so I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting annoyed anymore or anything, but I think the issue – so there's a couple different issues with this team. Um and I think the main one is obviously the inconsistencies of our top players from Markstrom to Huberto to Kadri. And I do agree with a few of the callers that have called in and said that it's from upstairs. But the main point is, so tonight was game 59, right? 60. So we have 60. Okay, sorry. So we have 22 games left. Correct. And – the chances of the playoffs are pretty low. I don't expect us to make it. The only thing I think we still have maybe an outside shot is I think Seattle might trend down. Um, they've been struggling a bit of late. And who knows, if we catch fire a bit, we might sneak in. Regardless, I mean, they're in a spot where not only do they have to play at a very high level, but they they will need help. And especially on Seattle, they've got no control there. The only saving grace for them would be that they've got two head-to-heads with Minnesota left. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're done next. now with Colorado. They're done with Edmonton. They're done with Seattle. They're not catching Vegas. So those head-to-heads don't matter. I, I guess they'd have an outside shot at catching L.A., but that, that seems like a little bit of a long shot too. So I think that they're the biggest saving grace that they have is that they've got head-to-heads, two of them left, one here, one in Minnesota with the Wild. If they That's can, like next if they can win next. both of those, then I, I guess it ups their chances a little bit. But let's be honest, the math yeah. sucks. Yeah, and those Minnesota games are next week, aren't those? Isn't that next Saturday and then like the following? Yes, uh, it's a week from tonight and then a few days later in St. Paul. So the season might be over by next week anyways. But the main <laughs> reason, so, so the thing is, what I have seen is, okay, so right now Huberto's not working. It's not working out. He hasn't been completely awful. Like, he's had his moments. He's had his, you know, like last week against the Rangers, he was amazing. And I thought, oh, wow, maybe this will actually get him going. And then the last three games, he's been subpar. The main thing is we have him signed for eight years. There's no, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh-huh. If we put Huberto on waivers, no other team would pick him up. Like, no one's going to take that contract, obviously. So the relationship between player and coach is obviously not working. Everybody sees this. Everyone has said it. It's not working. So I know we have Sutter signed for another two years. And, again, I think Sutter is an amazing coach. He has two Stanley Cups. That's more than most coaches can say. 
but it's not working right now. So I think this offseason, obviously you're not going to make a move now, but this offseason they're going to have to make a decision. And while it's not going to be Huberto because he's going to be here for the long haul, same with Kadri, I think they really need to really make a serious consideration of moving on from Sutter. And I know that he just signed a two-year deal, but, Pat, you see it more than I do. This It's just not working out. The relationship's not working. I Huberto was brought in to replace Johnny, and he's not even close. Well, he wasn't and brought just, in to replace Johnny. Well, he was brought yeah, in yeah, you're to right. be. Sorry. He, was, he, was, he was brought in like he was acquired to be one of their yeah. most important players. Exactly. That's, I didn't mean to say replace. He was never going to replace Johnny. But And remember, I even told you when we acquired him, I'm like, I don't think he's going to get 115 points ever again for us because it just doesn't fit that system. But I didn't also expect him to have a hard time reaching 60 either. So I think the Flames have, and I agree with you, I think they have some really tough decisions this offseason. Yeah, it just sucks. Uh, I think the talent is there. I think we have, I think on paper, we have a really nice look to the team, but Something is not working. The, I think the Vegas loss was just deflating. Because, you know, if you beat Vegas, it's crazy. You're within six points of Vegas if you win that game. Now you're, what, 10 points again? It's 10 now, They're yeah. 10. So the division's done. And I think I think Vegas, I, I, I think the, the, the fact that they are as far back of Vegas and Edmonton, it feels like those two... Uh, it's six of Edmonton and ten of Vegas. With uh, they, they still have two head-to-heads with Vegas, but I don't think they're catching the Golden Knights. Um, they've got no more head-to-heads with the Oilers, so that's six points that they'd have to make up on Edmonton. And in 22 games, that seems pretty unrealistic. They've got eight to make up on L.A. with a couple head-to-heads left, but again, uh, that's a lot to make up, so... They're in a tough spot right now. There's there's no doubt about it, and the math is no fun. Again, it's it's to me it, the the reason why I would I, I and I look do I do I think they can get in? Sure, I'm less confident now than I ever have been. But the the one saving grace is those two head to heads against Minnesota. Now, the Wild are kind of as as inconsistent as the Flames have been. And so, pretty decent chance they split those two, but that's the one—that's the one thing that keeps them in this conversation. And we will see how those two games go, and we'll see how it goes after that. You know, we got to uh, free up some money for next year. Let me ask you a question. I agree with you fully on the Dubé. I love his game, and I think we should re-up that guy six, seven years. I'm in full agreement with you on that. So I got a question for you. If someone comes in and gives you a really strong offer for a Coleman or a Manjepane or a Zadorov, do you do it? Because, you know, freeing up some money for next year would be good because, you know, maybe we do need to make a couple changes. You're obviously going to have Huberto and Kadri on the, the team next year, and I'd like them to sign Dubé long-term. So say someone gives you a mind-blowing offer for Manjapane before Friday's deadline because, you know, he scored 35 goals last year. Do you consider making that move? Yeah. yeah I'm I a huge man's fan. I just I, – I think I think there almost can be nothing off the table if you're the Flames yeah. right now. Well, I hope they don't move Dubé though, because I think that guy. I'm real. I'm a really big Dubé fan now. 
Yeah, he's having a heck of a year, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been one of the real success stories this year. Um, I got to move on. Okay, Pat, be in touch. We'll yeah. uh, we'll figure it out for a couple weeks from now. Definitely. All right, man. I'll talk soon. All right, brother. Be well. Okay. Bye. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show on this Saturday night. A marathon one. The way that this game went in Denver, uh, I can understand why. Thank you for the phone calls. Thank you for the texts at 960-960. We'll do it all over again on Tuesday. Time for our final summary. Here's how this one went tonight. Flames never had a lead. Colorado opened the scoring with a pair in the first period, starting with Nathan McKinnon. He scored at 3.05, his 21st of the year from Valerie Nachushkin, and it was 1-0 Colorado. A little bit more than five minutes later, Alex Newhook makes it 2-0 Colorado with his 13th. Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano, the assists at 8.22. Abs after 20 minutes of play. They'd make it 3-0 early in the second on Miko Rantanen's 38th of the year. Rantanen from Valerie Nachushkin and Bowen Byram at 242. That's a power play marker. Flames get one back on a power play of their own as Tyler Toffoli makes it 3-1 still in the second period. Toffoli's team leading 25th from Rasmus Anderson and Nazem Kadri at 17-20. That power play goal made it 3-1, which was your score after 40 minutes of play. Just one goal in the third. It was the backbreaker, honestly. Stopped any chance of a Flames comeback. Dennis Malgin able to cut through the Flames' uh, defense on the entry like butter. He wires it past Markstrom for his fifth. Malgin from Josh Manson at 4-12 makes it 4-1. That ends up being your final score. Final shots, 29-22 in favor of Calgary. Flames go one for five on the power play. Colorado one for four with the man advantage. Your three stars tonight in the building. Number three, Bowen Byram. Number two, Valerie Nachushkin. And number one, Nathan McKinnon. With the win, sorry, with the loss, Calgary falls to 27, 21, and 12. They're back in action Tuesday at home to Boston, while Colorado improves to 33, 19, and 5. They're back in action Monday at home to Vegas. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Peter Labardius, and for our outstanding producer, Azam Naji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To learn more and for all things basement tea, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Next up for the Flames, they kick off a three-game homestand on... Tuesday night at home to the Boston Bruins. It is a 7 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will be on the air with your Flames warm-up pregame show at 6 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend. Final score from Denver on Saturday night. The Flames fall 4-1 to the Colorado Avalanche. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Alpine Credits Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960. The fan. This is CFAC 960 AM, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission, streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet. 
960. Calgary's home for the Flames and the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.